This is the Australian Hunting Podcast, hunting, shooting and fishing radio on the AHP Digital Radio Network. Visit us at australianhuntingpodcast.com.au. Sit back, relax and enjoy. Here's the host of the show, Jason Selms. Welcome back to AHP. Thank you for joining me. Great to have you with us for another episode, episode 198. Today's show, we're going to be talking to the Australian Deer Association Executive Officer, Barry Howlett. You might have remembered probably a few years ago, many years ago, very early on in the podcast, I interviewed the Victorian President of the Australian Deer Association, Steve Garlick. So if you did want to go back and listen to that, you can go back to episode 26 of the podcast. Go to the website, australianhuntingpodcast.com.au. Uh, click on past episodes and go to episode 26 and you can listen to that episode with Steve Garlick from the Australian Deer Association. Now, Barry is the executive officer. Um, probably over the last couple of years, I've spoken to him before. There's been a little bit of argy-bargy on the AHP Facebook page. Um, so I thought I'd actually get him on the show. He's actually, I will give him credit because he is actually the first person uh, that's actually decided to to come on the show when there's been a little bit of argy-bargy to have a good chat. Uh, about where we agree, where we disagree, talking about the Australian Deer Association. I mean, I think they do a good job. I've got no beefs at all with the Australian Deer Association. I mean, they do their very best to, to represent uh, the deer hunting uh, population in Victoria and trying to get the best outcomes for deer hunters in Victoria. And a lot of times, you know, guys, people get on the Facebook page and often, uh, you know, they want to say stuff, they di- disagree on opinion. And then when you ask them to come on the show... Uh, they won't do it. They won't actually come on to put their opinions actually on the air where it actually counts. And uh, you know that's what I appreciate. I do appreciate about Barry. Uh, I did ask him to come on the show. And if you believe I'm wrong in some areas, then well, let's have a chat about it. Let's find out where we're wrong. Maybe we're not wrong. Maybe we both agree. Maybe there's a little bit of small discrepancies about where we dis- disagree. And uh, that's the best part of getting people onto the show that have a difference of opinion. And I think it's going to be a great show today. So we're going to talk about everything to do with the ADA. We're also going to talk about, and you might, if you've been actually part of the AHP Facebook page, uh, I got a call from a friend in Victoria. He was talking about the Victorian government plans to put in a deer hunting accreditation. Now at the stage, I didn't even know when I actually put the poll whether hunters and shooters supported a deer hunting accreditation on the Facebook page. I wasn't even aware the ADA were even support of this deer hunting accreditation until actually somebody sent me an email uh, that was sent to them from the Australian Deer Association. So this was at least 24 hours after I posted the poll. And it was then that I started looking at the comments that people actually started calling out the ADA for their support of this deer hunting accreditation. So that's something we actually are going to talk about today because obviously that is something that is going to affect deer hunting going forward in Victoria. We're going to find out the reasons why the ADA supported that. We're going to find out the benefits of a deer hunting accreditation if there in fact are any and we're going to find out how this affects the greater deer hunters in Victoria because this is the most important thing if we are going to install some deer hunting accreditation well then we need to find out exactly what it entails and what the reason for support of such an accreditation is so it's going to be a bang up show for you today guys hopefully it gets exciting hopefully we're going to you know have some good robust discussions on these issues so let me bring barry on the show barry howlett welcome to hp thank you for joining me glad finally we're able to have a chat and meet up again there's been some robust argy bargy on the facebook page so glad to finally have you on the show thank you oh, thanks for having us pleasure to be on no worries tell us about yourself bit of history who is barry howlett uh, look, I was born and raised in um, in Maui in Victoria, which is a sort of industrial coal mining area about 120 k's east of Melbourne. Um, 
went on through school there, left and went to Melbourne when I was about 17, worked a number of different jobs, sort of started off in the public service when I was very young and moved out of that pretty quickly, <laughs> didn't like what I saw, uh, worked in transport <laughs> and then construction, and then I've come through to working for the ADA. Right. How did you get into hunting? How did you did you grow up hunting? Was it a family tradition? Was it something a friend got you into? How did you get into it? Yeah, no hunters in our family at all. Um, no guns in our family. Um, you know, since my uncle had been in Army Cadets, was probably the last time there'd been a gun in our family. I we grew up, like I said, it was sort of a, a semi-rural area, so we had friends out of town, had about a thousand acres, and we used to go there. Started off ferreting with their son. Um, that developed into spotlighting rabbits and foxes and that sort of thing, sort of a fairly normal progression, I suppose. And, um, yeah, just something I was always drawn to, even just the ferreting side of things, fishing, the pursuit of, of the animals has always been something I've been drawn to. Yeah. Yeah, interesting. It's always – hunting is a great sport, that's for sure, and great uh, pastime for people getting involved in it. So what do you like to get involved in when you actually go out hunting? Obviously, I'd probably say deer because you're part of the Australian Deer Association, but what else do you enjoy and what types of deer do you like hunting and what's your favourite sort of game to go hunting? Yeah, look, deer are obviously my, my big passion um, and started off predominantly hunting samba. In recent years, I've developed a real thing for hog deer, um, real, real interest in them. They're just a fascinating sort of unique little deer species. So I spend a lot of time sort of looking and thinking about and studying hog deer nowadays. But beyond that, more generalist hunting. Um, enjoy bird hunting. Still enjoy going out chasing rabbits when I get the chance. What do you, what do you like about hog deer you know my mate always used to say to me it's like a little small rat you know <laughs> he, he uh he said it's one of the smallest i think it is not the smallest deer species in australia so what do you like about the hog deer yeah look they're, they're mini samba i suppose they're they're really cryptic little things they um they live in a very small sort of area of the country they're quite um they go from being quite gregarious to quite skittish um, just very challenging behaviour for a hunter to, to get to understand them, to to get to figure out how they use the land and, and more, I'm quite interested in game management. So there's some really good complex game management that goes on to produce good hog deer that really interests me. Tell us about, I guess we'll get into it pretty early, tell us about the these at Snake Island, if I'm correct, we're allowed to, or hunters allowed to hunt on there. So how did that come about? How did that situation arise? Yeah, so it was. It had been legal hunting there up until about 1916 or something like that. You know, there was a history of, of Snake Island being used sort of as a game reserve up until, you know, First World War sort of period, and there'd been no legal hunting on there after that for, you know, close to 100 years. Um, we'd had quite a few goes at it, ADA, over probably 20, 25 years. We'd had a few pushes and come what we thought to be really close a few times, had um, had big pushes to get access for all hunters to there and real, put up really good arguments, thought we were home and then got done in by politics. And it was 20, oh, I'm trying to think back, but Jeff Borman and Daniel Young not long after they got elected, so probably 2015, um, I was in a discussion with them in Parliament House and talking about, you know, we'd done a few things in deer hunting, what else can we get done? And I've mentioned, oh, look, you know, the Holy Grail, sort of the, the big thing we've been trying and haven't been able to do is Snake Island. Um, and to their credit, they said, leave it with us. Went and approached the Minister for Environment, who seemed receptive, and we put up a case and, and she gave us a two-year trial, which is now 
gone into another two-year trial. I don't know quite why, you know, a trial on, on the back of a trial, but we got access for the first time for, for all hunters, for balloted hunting, but for all hunters in, in a century. So it was a pretty good win. Is that is that can any hunter go into that draw or is it only specific to organisations or...? Anyone in the world can enter that Blonde Bay ballot drawer. It used to be $15 an entry. I think it's going up to $25 an entry this year. But anybody in the world can enter. Got an equal chance. Got one entry. Equal chance of getting drawn. When we met with the minister uh, to, to to discuss, you know, whether they give access, Parks Victoria certainly wanted it very tightly controlled. Um, would prefer not to have hunters access anywhere, that organisation really. So they... They had put it to us that, oh, what if we do it as just a program for ADA members, you know, like the deer control programs we do? And we rejected that because it was never what it was about. It was about having access for everyone, giving everyone a shot at this. Excellent. Any only hog deer on Snake Island? I'm oh, sorry, I can't be abreast of everything. Is it different types of deer or just hog deer? Yeah, only hog deer now. There's, um, there was evidence in the sort of late 70s, early 80s that there'd been samba deer there. It's quite close to Wilson's Promontory where there's been a couple of Samba deer show up. Um, so there were wallows on there in the late 70s, early 1980s, and hog deer don't wallow. So it was pretty good evidence of Samba, but they're not there now. So it's it's only hog deer. There's been a few fellow come on and off from Sunday Island, but as far as we know, it's only hog deer on there now. How did you get involved with the Australian Deer Association? I started off um, hound hunting when I was in my early 20s with a mate of mine, a bloke from Murray. He took me up hound hunting with his dad, and I got really hooked really early. Uh, first time I went on, I just thought this was something I wanted to do. Uh, and I rang up his dad the next week and said, hey, do you mind if I come up again? My mate went back to playing footy or whatever he was doing. Um, yeah, certainly come along. So I went along, um, shot my first year. On the first time I carried a rifle in the bush, which was very, very rare back then. It took me a couple of years to get one after that. Um, and when I went to come back the third time, basically that hound crew had a rule that if you weren't a financial member of the Australian Deer Association, you didn't get to hunt with them. So I was um, press ganged into it. What's an interesting point. What are the deer hunting populations like in, in Victoria? What, uh, how, is it, how is it has improved over the years? Has it gotten worse? Where are we at? Uh, with hunter numbers? No, well, I'd say hunter numbers, but also deer populations in general, the animal themselves. Oh, the deer populations have certainly gone up um, by, a, by a very big factor over the last you know, 10, 20 years. Um, I'd say there's probably been a doubling of deer numbers in Victoria in the last 10 years. Uh, certainly the, those alpine bushfires have helped that along. They've created really good habitat and dispersed the deer, but... Yeah, the deer numbers are there's there's never been more deer in Victoria than there are right now. In regards to game management of deer, what do you think? I mean, I guess what are we doing right? What are we doing wrong? And what would you like to see for the future? Um, well, we're doing a lot wrong, really, as a as a country, with not just with game management, with wildlife management generally. It's really driven by ideology rather than you know, based on data, based on good management principles. There's places where we're getting good access to public land, which is something that we're doing right from a hunter perspective. But more generally, what we'd like to see is people not being afraid of the complexity in the conversation too much. In deer management, we get typically from anti-hunters, but you know, deer are a pest, deer are the new cane toad. 
get rid of them all, you know, eradicate them all, all stuff that's that's really not helpful and really not possible. And we need to embrace the complexity of the conversation around deer management. You know, all deer species are different. All deer populations in different places will behave differently. We need to get away from having these simple jingles and go into having really those in-depth, complex conversations about deer. And that's that's the big thing we're doing wrong, I think, is not not embracing that. It's a, it, yeah, it's a challenge, but it's it's not a simple challenge. Would you like to advertise on one of the most tech-savvy mediums on the internet? Then why don't you advertise with us on the Australian Hunting Podcast? If you have a product or business that you would like to promote, then we would love to hear from you. Become one of our partner advertisers by calling Jason on 0425 881 967 or email australianhuntingpodcast at gmail.com. It's interesting how, and I'd like to get your point on this, how different states, different rules around Australia. So game animal in New South Wales, which they've reduced restrictions on. So previously we had a season on deer in New South Wales. Then you didn't have that in Victoria, but then you you step over two states to Queensland, a complete pest in Queensland. So where's the consistency here? Why is it game in Victoria Pest in Queensland. We in New South Wales, we were kind of in the middle at one stage. With like, it's still game, but they are on a uh, you know a season. W- w- why is there no consistency amongst the states in the way we treat deer? Yeah, look, a lot of it's history, and a lot of it's just the the big differences in states. You see it in firearm regulations as well. You know, even though we've got a national firearms agreement and all the laws are meant to be the same, there's this huge disparity. Victoria's got a long history of deer hunting, sort of. Deer hunting became popular in that post-World War II period, so when society was far less regulated, because there were deer there, I suppose, um, and good numbers of deer. So Victoria had that long history. We had Max Downs come in in charge of game who introduced a licensing system and worked with hunters, and and public land access got entrenched then. New South Wales, it was, um, as you know, sort of a result of politics. Um, John Tingle particularly managed to get public land access purely as a result of politics, and it, it's been politically charged ever since then. Tasmania, similar to Victoria, got that long history. And Queensland, um, just very different, just a very different state. Um, deer were a game animal there, I believe, until about 15, 20 years ago when they were all listed as different classes of pests, but there's never been that access to public land in Queensland. And a lot of the public land in Queensland is actually tied up in um, pastoral leases and pastoral licences. It's it's different to the way state forest is treated in places like Victoria and New South Wales. People always talk to me and they say, well, what's the – and, again, I, I love deer hunting myself. I think it, you know, I'm pretty happy with the way things are going at the moment, You know, depending on which state you obviously live in. But some people will say, well, what's the difference between pigs, goats and deer? Why is one a pest? One is Why is the other one a game animal? And why do we put deer on a pedestal? These are a lot of questions that often come into me and I thought I'd give it to a professional such as yourself that knows about these types of things. And look, to a degree, it's largely semantics. Um, why do we put deer on a pedestal? I think humans always have done. If you look at, you know, there's cave art dating back to the dawn of human history where people have, have drawn deer and with antlers on walls. There's even cave art in the Kimberley in Australia where people must have travelled into the Indonesian archipelago and there's, there's paintings of, of rooster deer stags on the walls. So humans have always seen deer differently. 
they're a big charismatic animal and put them on a pedestal. With regards to um, regulations, I really don't know. I think it's, it just goes back to that history where the deer were actually released here in the large part as a sporting resource, as a hunting resource, whereas the pigs were released as farm animals and went wild. So a bit of a different history. When it comes to wildlife management, we should really be blind to what the species is, whether it's native or exotic. You know, It should be based on what impact that species is having really, rather than what we think of it. We should, we should treat mice with the same respect we treat deer when it comes to treating them humanely and managing them properly. You were talking about, uh, it's interesting, the, the deer population in Victoria, or we, I guess we don't know exact figures because we can't count them all, but you know, doubling in population, what is the best way that we can, you know, that hunters obviously are able to, to go hunting and, and ha- harvest that meat, but also the government's perspective as well, these are starting to cause us a major problem now, they're starting to infringe on, on certain areas. I think I just saw an article the other day down in um, Wollongong, I mean, they're two streets over from the beach now, <laughs> so... You know, which is which is good, I guess, for for hunters with opportunities and the deer growing numbers. But how do we how do we be flexible in the middle of providing for deer hunters, but in the government on the impacts of the environment? I think the two can marry. Um, I don't think I think governments are afraid to marry the two. But we keep pushing for access for deer hunters in places where deer are a problem. So if there's areas where hunting can be done safely and deer are causing a large environmental impact, the the real common sense thing to do is to give access to hunters because hunters are going to be attracted to the area because there's lots of deer. Um, And we're not going to cost the government anything to do it. There's going to be money coming into the economy. Um, Lots of this stuff that happens, you look at the aerial culls in Victoria. We're not opposed per se to aerial culling, whatever, whatever needs to be done to affect proper management. But those areas would lend themselves well to hound hunting, which we know is a really effective form of hunting. And the hound hunters would relish the chance to get in there. They'd, they'd pay their own money in diesel to go up there and do the job that we're paying a lot of money to do. I, I think there needs to be, and this is our challenge, getting government to see through the risk and see through the the uproar from these ideologues who say that, you know, they call us amateurs are no good and embrace the opportunity that there's always recreational hunters who can do the job. We're not the only answer, but certainly should be a bigger part of the picture. It's interesting how the anti-hunters always say, well, and they say it in New South Wales here as well, that, well, you know, hunters don't have any effect on, on you know, removing these animals or, or having any dent in the population yet, especially in New South Wales, for an example, I mean, millions of pests removed from public land where, you know, the anti-hunters haven't removed a single pest from public land. Yeah, and, and it's well, it's not measurable. It's measurable the, the raw numbers we take out. It's not measurable the impact that we have. But you look at places that are hunted heavily and deer densities are low. Um, certainly go back to hound hunting in Victoria. You look at places where there's heavy hound hunting goes on and it's difficult to see deer impacts in the forest around there because their numbers are kept well in check. It's, it's ridiculous to say that, you know, there's, in excess of 100,000 deer taken by wreck hunters in Victoria every year, that has to have an impact. Renowned for their strength, reliability and attention to detail, Moroku shotguns are the perfect example of what a sporting shotgun should be. Moroku have been producing quality products for over a century and sold in Australia since 1963. Each Moroku shotgun is crafted with precision, 
From the MK Trap and sporting models to the all-round best-selling field shotgun, the MK70. Visit morokushotguns.com.au for more details and stockists. Tell us about just the, the Australian Deer Association in general. Some people are probably out there that probably don't know what you guys do exactly. Can you tell us a bit more about that? Yeah, look, um, ADA is a national organisation. It's 50 years old this year, so it was formed in September 1969. Uh, it's grown. It's got branches in every state and territory of Australia, and essentially it's a, a network, a fellowship of like-minded people with an interest in deer, and most of them are deer hunters. Yeah. Uh, across the, I'll go Victoria because you're in Victoria, but I'd like to guess if you know this on a, on a national level, how many members does the Australian Deer Association have? Relatively small. We've got about six and a half thousand members nationwide. Um, so if you compare that to, you know, Field and Games probably got three times that. Um, WSAA's got, I don't know, over a hundred thousand, I believe. So very different focus of the organisations, but we're relatively small when you look at it in comparison to the bigger organisations. Yeah. Does the ADA, I guess, only deal or advocate for deer hunting? Do they get involved in any other areas of hunting activities in Victoria? Yeah, and, and nationwide. We um we try not to be Victorian-focused. You know, half our membership's in Victoria, but we try to have this national focus. Um, yeah, look, we we focus on deer and deer hunting, but we take an active interest in, in other issues. So other issues in game hunting and other issues in firearms more generally, certainly where that impacts on deer hunters will take an interest. And we try to do that without tripping over what other people are doing. That doesn't always work, but we always try to, if someone else is active in that area, we try to coordinate with them or fall in behind them if possible and stick to what we do, which is deer, and support other people doing doing the other stuff that interests us. If the Victorian government said, you know, they came to you or the ADA and they said, Barry, you know, we want you to shape pretty much what deer hunting is in Victoria, what would your ideal model or, you know, deer hunting look like? Um, more access, basically, is the big thing. So the ideal model would be access for all hunters to all public land where there's not a good reason for us not to be there. That would be the number one thing we'd look at for deer hunting. That's what we've, we've always sort of pushed for. And that's what we keep pushing for. We've got access to a reasonable chunk of public land, but there's a lot of national parks, particularly, where there's no access with no good reason. I wanted to ask an interesting question that a lot of people ask me. This is not in regards to the ADA, but just organisations in general that, you know, hunters are very scared that um, organisations want to get their hands on, whether it be deer hunting, whether it be some type of hunting on public land, so they can manage it themselves and they can, you know, dish out memberships and or accreditations. Um, and if you're not part of that particular organisational club, then you, you can't hunt that particular piece of land. So does, does the ADA advocate for deer hunting for all, regardless of whether a membership of ADA? Yeah, absolutely. And that's how... That's our um, deliberate focus is to be outward focused, to be focused on all deer hunting. And when we were talking about Snake Island earlier in this conversation, there's an example of that. We sat in a building, we were offered directly an exclusive opportunity for our members and turned it down because that's not what we we're interested in. We were prepared to let Snake Island slip if it wasn't for all hunters. Very good. I like that. 
a lot, as you can understand, a lot of people do uh, are very worried about that. You know that you know people are wanting to get their hands on it, or or you know if you're not a member of this club or this or this situation, and it just excludes a lot of people from going out and being able to hunt. Uh, you know, I'm all about just you know what's fair for all, not what's in the best interests of small organisations or large organisations, but what's in the best interests of hunters being able to go out there and harvest their own meat, generally with as, as limited obstacles as they possibly can, doing it safely. Yeah, yeah, and we want we want people to join us because they like what we do and they subscribe to our values, not because they're forced to do so to get access. I wanted to talk about farmers too. They are obviously very, very different attitude, especially the farmers, some of the farmers that I speak to, especially when talking about pests and getting rid of them off their own land. So what's your thoughts on that? Should you know, farmers be able to, to remove these animals off their own land if they're, if they're causing an issue? Does the ADA have a problem with that? Um. As a general rule, no. It's it's complex, and there's always exceptions to the rule. You know, there's there's places where hog deer particularly uh, uh, a small a small impact and a small population, and we'd like to see them protected. Um, but as a general rule, we like to believe that landowners should be able to manage their land as they see fit. And the reality is, whether the law allows them to or not, they're going to anyway. Farmers will manage wildlife on their land to the point where it's having an economic impact on them, whether we allow it or not. Mm. It's and interesting we'll, you say that. A lot of people never admit to that. They, you know, And that's not to say they're bad people because you know, at the end of the day, their money and their livelihood depends on this sort of stuff. And often dealing with like parks and wildlife can be very difficult and time-consuming to get these types of permits. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and increasingly so with a lot of these environment departments, particularly not so much with deer, but you see it with kangaroos where it's almost impossible for people to get permits for kangaroos and wallabies because they're a native animal uh, and they're having a, a serious detrimental impact. And the reality is the populations of those animals are far higher than they were pre-settlement. You know, sustainability is not an issue. It's, it's pure ideology stopping people from managing their land. You're the professional in this area. If you're on private land, like in New South Wales, you still need a general G permit. Do you need a game licence to hunt deer on your own private land in Victoria? Um, no, you don't. That was removed in 2014. There was a um, what's called a governor and council order, which is a way of changing regulation without going through the parliament, which made deer unprotected on private land. So all deer except for hog deer are unprotected on private land in Victoria means that landowners, they've still got a few restrictions, calibre restrictions, so they can't go you know, shooting sample with 22s, mm. which is fair enough. There's animal welfare considerations there. But beyond that, they're fairly free to manage deer as they see fit on their land. Was that a good or a bad move? That was a good move. We ADA supported it. Um, we worked with government to shape it mm. um, because from a philosophical perspective, we, we don't want deer to be a problem for people. It's interesting how that changes from New South Wales. I mean, obviously, I hunt a fair bit of public land myself. I think it was a, a great system that was put in, uh, very valuable. Um, but, you know, we also have a G licence to hunt deer on private land in New South Wales, and that's what there was talk a few years back. And, you know, it wouldn't surprise me this happens one day that, you know, eventually people that have their own land that want to remove pests, whether they're farming or whether they're not or whether they just want to remove pests from their land that are causing issue, that it will one day be a general 
you know, hunting license per se because, you know, to hunt on their own land because, you know, if you've got your own reason, you've got your own land in New South Wales, you know, that genuine reason will be sufficient because you're hunting on your own land. So hunters are very concerned, especially regarding, and again, it comes back to organisations, even in New South Wales, that, well, if I've got to have a, a you know, 100,000 people that want to hunt in New South Wales have to have a license. I mean, we're talking a large amount of cash here. This is where hunters and shooters start to get a bit worried about where allegiances lie with organisations on these particular issues and what's in the best interest of changing the current system. Yeah, and look, there's, those regs have already been suspended in a lot of areas in New South Wales for private land. Um, with that unique New South Wales system, the bit that we didn't like about it when it came in was that bit that compelled you to be a member of a club. Mm. Um, That's which still is, the case now, still the case, yeah. Still the case in New South Wales um, for insurance purposes or whatever else, but philosophically we didn't see a great deal of value in that and it, it actually didn't deliver a great deal of benefit to organisations like ours anyway. What it resulted in was an awful lot of hunting clubs. So you've there's this big prol- proliferation of hunting clubs in New South Wales now and most of them are social groups. So they're, they're not engaging in any advocacy and there's politics behind why that was set up, I'm sure. Mm. But um, philosophically, we didn't like the idea, still don't like the idea that people are compelled to join you. Are you looking to buy a new or used firearm? Do you want to sell that safe queen to fund your next purchase? Then go to osgunsales.com. We have over 200 registered firearms dealers, Australia-wide, and thousands of shooters using the site daily. There are over 2,500 firearms listed, so you're certain to find exactly what you're looking for. We have over 50 years of firearms industry experience, including 8 years online. So why wouldn't you advertise with us? The one and only genuine original Ozguns. It's it's interesting. I mean, no one disputes that, you know, like having doing some sort of of course or something or a small course on what your requirements are when you're hunting on public land. No, no, like no one disputes that for safety reasons. I think most people are willing to jump through those hoops because especially if you're sharing those parks with other people, I mean, no, I think that's a reasonable measure. But when they start you know, enforcing people have some sort of G license on their own private land to manage deer, I just, I just think is, is not really a great move and it doesn't really help the management of deer either. So, again, I understand organisations make money out of it because then it comes back to making money again. This is where hunters have a lot of major concerns about what's in the best interest of hunters or what's in the best interest of you know that organisation or that political party pushing this through. It's just people get a bit... You know, get a bit worried and worrisome with the future of, of hunting, not only in, in, in Victoria and in New South Wales, but also around Australia going forward. Yeah, and to a degree, I agree with that. We, we like game licensing for a number of reasons. Um, it's a really good way of managing hunters on public land particularly. It's also a really good way of getting data. So even if those licences were free, it, it, it would be great. And we don't have good data anywhere on what deer farmers are taking, for example. And if you want to, I was reading a um, scientific report last night that was done on the relationship between deer and wild dogs. And the only accurate measure they could use of deer population was catch per unit effort for hunters. So they're modelling it based on the fact that hunters are finding it easier to get deer. That's how they're modelling the upswing in the population of deer. Yeah. So that data is really valuable stuff. If we want to have good management decisions, the more data we can get, the better. But 
yes, the less restrictions we can get on people, the better too, particularly on private land. What are the benefits of becoming an ADA member? Um, the tangible benefits are the opportunities. So you get to network with other hunters. You know, we provide a, a forum for that. Most of our branches run pretty good camps and hunting opportunities. So if you're a new hunter, you get some experienced hunters that will come with you, go hunting. We publish what we think is a pretty good magazine, so a 100-page magazine, Australian Deer. And if you remember, you get that delivered to you six times a year. We've just invested a lot of money in a new website. So in the next couple of weeks, the members-only section of that will launch and there'll be a lot of really good information, networking, and, and good back-end stuff for members in the members-only website. Um, you get firearm insurance included in your membership, public liability insurance, and discounts on stuff like our hunter education. So that's all the, the tangibles. Um, the intangible benefits are you support the stuff that we do in advocacy. Now, there's, you know, if people, there's people who like that and there's people who don't like that, I suppose, but they're, they're basically the benefits of membership. What do you hope to achieve on, on on I guess on behalf of deer hunters going forward? What what do you what are your things coming up for the future that you're you know got the finger on the pulse so to speak right now? Um, what we the big picture that we hope to achieve is well managed deer herds and as much open public land access as possible everywhere that is possible you know throughout the country. The other thing we're really pushing on doing is lifting the status of hunters in the public so. You've had this big societal change, this big urbanisation. Hunting's gone from being sort of a majority thing that most people understand to a very liminal thing that very few people in society understand. So we're really big on pushing the status of hunters. So pushing the use of game food we see is a really important piece of that. If you pick up our publications or go on our website, you'll see a lot of stuff where we, we're working with high-end chefs and, and pushing that... This meat that we take is really good, valuable meat. What are the ADA achievements at a political level? Who are you guys dealing with in Parliament? Obviously, the Labor government being empowered down there. I guess they're the only ones with the power to actually change things at this stage on behalf of us because they're in government. So who are you dealing with? Who are you talking to? And and what are the political achievements from the ADA? Yeah, look, the, the historic achievements are stuff like you know, back in, in the dim, dark past, um, the repeal of Sunday shooting laws and access to national parks for hunting for the first time in Australia are, are things that ADA did. Um, big fights in Victoria to retain hound hunting, certainly through the 1980s and early 1990s. And what we're pushing now is is more open access for hunting. So that land access is really our key driver. As far as who we work with, we'll, we'll work with anyone. Um, certainly state governments are where it's at with regards to hunting laws. So we work with the governments of the day, but we work just as closely with the opposition because oppositions become governments, governments become oppositions. So we'll work with anyone who is prepared to work with us, who's prepared to give us a good hearing, I suppose. Is the Labor government currently receptive to any discussions? Yeah, look, they're doing some things for us in Victoria. Um, We'll have a bill go before Parliament. It's already gone through the lower house in Victoria and later this year it'll go through the upper house to allow hunters to take their venison to a commercial processor for the first time. So like you'd do in the US or New Zealand, you can shoot your deer in the bush, take it into this commercial processor, have them value-add, you know, turn into sausages or salamis or nice trimmed-up cuts of meat, whatever you want it to be, and then 
pay them and pick it up off them. Currently, that's illegal, and they've been very receptive to our push to make that legal. Um, we're also working with them at the moment on a an issue in Victoria where we were excluded from 360,000 hectares of public land that was under grazing licence. Uh, ADA went and got legal opinion on that exclusion and found it was wrong, and we're just working through the mechanics now with the with the state government of opening all that land back up to hunters. So they are receptive on things that aren't going to cost them a great deal to do. They're generally, we, there's not a great deal of support in either of the major parties, in my view, for for hunting. Um, most of them would rather we we just went away and didn't exist, but they'll do stuff for us around the margins. I mean, shouldn't it be reasonable that we're able to shoot a deer and then take it to, you know, be processed by a meat operator? It just sounds reasonable to me. Oh, it it does, but it's taken us years and years and years of pushing to get to the stage where where we're nearly there and we're not quite there, but the legislation's up. We're fairly confident it'll go through. Um, It seems to have bipartisan support, but it's taken us a lot of years of pushing that because there's this... um, this fear of anything commercial to do with meat, there's a paranoia about food safety. And our argument is, well, we're only using it for ourselves. Um, surely, if we want to get sick, not that we will get sick, but, you know, if a hunter wants that to should get be our sick, choice. They're, 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 they're more likely to get sick handling the food themselves than paying an expert to do it. Yeah, if I want to get sick, I'll get sick. That's my choice. <laughs> yes, you know, that's right. Is there even operators in Victoria, it's okay to put in the legislation, whether it's even that or it's just an amendment or whatever it may be to get that sorted. Is there even operators set up to be able to, you know, do that for, for deer hunters and accept just those single carcass animals? Yeah, yeah, there are a few, um, certainly what are called home kill butchers, so people who don't work from a shop front that will be in a position where they can do it. They won't be able to go into butcher's shops, unfortunately. That's a bridge too far. But it's a bit like the farmers managing deer and kangaroo on their land. This stuff's already happening. There's been butcher's shops and pie shops and all sorts of operators doing this stuff for hunters in Victoria for as long as I can remember. What you're doing is basically legalising and putting a framework around stuff that people are already doing. I want to talk about, now we had a bit of argy-bargy on this one, it was quite interesting, now you know, I got a little bit heated when me and you were having this discussion, but we were talking about you know, a, a, a duck hunting being under threat in Victoria, and I posted an article, you know, our good mate Laurie Levy was on there, who I've actually done an interview very on early in the podcast, and saying, well, I was a bit you know, off, off, off base in regards to the, the article that was posted, you sort of said I didn't read it, which I did, but we know Laurie Levy's an idiot, me and you can probably agree on that, he wants to ban our pastime, I agree on that, but it, you know, you're saying it's a bit blown out of proportion. I even think I got a, a message from uh, Jeff Borman on the Facebook page just having a small discussion uh, about that particular issue. But my point is, regardless of the article, to say that deer hunting, sorry, duck hunting, I should say again, is not under threat in Victoria or it's not polarised or always under a spotlight, I mean, I think he's being a little bit naive. Do you think duck hunting is under some type of threat in Victoria? Yeah, yeah, I think we're in, um, we're in furious agreement. I think that's... With social media, sometimes a bit of that nuance gets lost. But I think on that point, yeah, I think duck hunting's absolutely got some big challenges. I mean, hunting more generally has got big challenges, but I think duck hunting's at the pointy end of those challenges that face hunting. 
because it was interesting when I post on there. And I guess it was it was to clarify for people that may have seen the post too. When I did, I, I did quote, uh, and again for transparency purposes, I did quote uh, in the Facebook post. Well, where are you guys? Uh, where are you guys on this? And I did tag the the uh, shooters, fishers, and farmers and the Liberal Democrats. But that wasn't to say, hey, you guys are a pack of spineless assholes. What's going on? <laughs> my, my thing was to say, guys, where are we? And yeah, half the stuff that goes on social media, ninety five percent of it is shit. You know, and sometimes you know I've been a perpetrator of that sometimes and not you know being up to speed but more so i want to be proactive in making sure that going forward you know i don't want to see duck hunting in victoria i love duck hunting you know waterfowl hunting is one of my favorite things to do i'm really getting into deer hunting now i'm really enjoying that and i know these assholes will never ever give up on trying to ban duck hunting uh, in Victoria, it's always polarised. It's always in the media. They've always got cameras. They're always harassing duck hunters. Um, you know, my point was to make sure that guys, if you aren't on this and there is an issue going forward, let's get onto it. Let's make sure we're not going to let this happen. It was I being a bit ambitious moving forward. Possibly, but I think being on the front foot and making sure these assholes aren't going to ban my sport uh, is 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 being reasonable. So perhaps it's a bit of lost in translation. Yeah, and look, I agree with you on all of that. Um, the Weekly Times in particular has, in recent years, strayed into clickbait territory, um, and they know that hunters react to their stuff pretty hard. Um, and I, I spoke to a, someone who's a former journalist at the Weekly Times who explained to me that they used to get judged, the journos, on how many exclusives they bought into the paper, how many scoops they bought. Uh, now they get judged on how many social media clicks and website clicks their stories attract. So that drives them to, because that's where the revenue comes from basically for papers now, is they charge for impressions on the website. So that drives them to put out stories on anything. And, and that particular story on Medic was pretty speculative, but him and his advisors are campaigning against duck hunting and they've got a bigger public profile and they're not seen as lunatics like Laurie Levy is. They're seen as, here's a bloke in a suit, and I don't know if you've heard Andy Medic speak. He's quite articulate, come quite measured, comes across as quite reasonable to the common man. To, you know, the stuff he, a lot of the stuff he says is pretty extreme wacko stuff, but he, he phrases it quite reasonably. So he is a big challenge. Um, public sentiment generally is behind him. There's, you know, polls come out, public and private polling shows that if you ask that basic question without any context, do you think there should be a ban on duck hunting? Most people in society will say yes. So it's concerning and there's, there's longer term problems with duck hunting and it's probably stemmed from those public campaigns. So duck hunting in particular, their numbers of hunters are stagnant. Um, you know, and since the mid nineties, there's basically been no, increase in duck hunter numbers and their age demographics are just getting older and older so so there there's these short-term challenges for duck hunting and there's these big long-term challenges for duck hunting that really need to be need a big focus to be addressed and I think too, if people are out there on these, you know, in public land, wetlands, etc., you know, don't be baited by these people. You know, go about your business. If you need to film, sure, start start filming. But you know, if if you feel like you're in danger or there's going to be something put against you, which you may think may, you know, hinder you going forward in regards to a court case or something, just you know, film it. But just say nothing. Say nothing. Don't, you know, say they're a pack of 
idiots and assholes on camera. It just doesn't make us look good. Just, you know, walk away and go about your business. They come over, then start filming. Just, you know, no words even need to be discussed unless, you know, they're damaging your vehicle or something like that yeah. or doing something bad. Just go about your business, move on and say nothing. We got some really good advice. I was um, fielding game, engaged with police on this a couple of months ago and I went to a a little forum we had down where there'd been an incident and the advice from police was pretty well that it was start filming as soon as you can get evidence um if they're hindering your hunt then say that clearly say to them look i cannot hunt because of this because that's what the actual offense is is hindering the hunt so i feel that i can't safely hunt because you're here and explain why and get that on film if they're blocking your vehicle um, then say words like, I feel like I cannot leave. I'm asking you to let me go because that's actually false imprisonment. Mm. So there's hunters need to be, particularly if you're hunting in areas where these lunatics are impeding you, we need to make sure that hunters are really well educated in what their rights are and what the right responses are so that we can start to get on the front foot and get these get it turned around, get these people charged, give the police no option but to charge them when they're committing offences. Sometimes I think this is all part, and I get this you know, email, all you know, not all the time, but quite regularly, especially during duck season, say, listen, you know, I speak to friends and they go, listen, we really need to fight for this. I could be being a bit overzealous here, but I don't think I'm in saying this. And this is the sentiment of the hunting community that, you know, listen, duck hunting's on borrowed time. So we need to make sure we, we're, it's not on borrowed time and it's going to be here going forward for the future because we, we just can't have this thing being banned. But I think this is part of their plan generally is they don't care if they get charged because what it does is, again, bring public relations, media and TV appearances to these people. Um, you know, and they think they're the better people and were the you know, evil meanies for shooting you know, organic meat to take home for the table. So yeah, it's, just, it's just really drawing attention that we just don't need. Oh, absolutely. And the media is generally culturally sympathetic to the people who oppose us mm. so yeah that's the reality we have to live with but I, I went to duck opening this year and a good mate of mine came he said oh can i come with you and I, yeah that's great love you too you know you bring new people into duck hunting and i said why is that and you know, he's pretty switched into the hunting scene he said oh because i might not ever get another chance i thought how terrible is that to even think like that mm. but that's that's where it's at with public sentiment it's a real challenge it's only lucky that in New South Wales, you know, we've got, you know, rice hunting mitigation that I'm really only be able to, you know, hunt in southern New South Wales. But, you know, for me, that's like, you know, once a year for a whole week if I'm lucky. I mean, it's a seven, eight hour drive for me each way to go and enjoy that pastime. And I can't do in New South Wales. Yeah, yeah. And it's, um, you know, certainly banned in Queensland, um, ostensibly banned in WA, although people still hunt ducks on private land in WA, but but you have to worry that um, there's a complacency in places like South Australia. You know, we've got it pretty good in South Australia. We're all right. If duck hunting were to fall in Victoria, it's pretty hard to imagine the South Australian government wouldn't be the next domino to fall and fall pretty quickly. Um, hunter numbers there are really low, you know, 1,500 or something like that. It would be politically very difficult to support so yeah it's it's a big challenge and it's it's a big worry for people who are interested in in hunting more generally i love duck hunting don't we all love it one of my favorite things to do i'm really enjoying the deer hunting as well um you know nothing good like a bit of uh you know high volume duck shooting if they're on the rice fields no doubt about it but you know also learning that game and the movements of deer is also 
great pastime. So I want to talk about the Game Management Authority. A lot of different opinions on the GMA. A lot of bad, some good. What's your thoughts on the GMA? What's wrong with it? Or yeah, just your thoughts in general on the Game Management Authority. Good, bad, indifferent? What's um, your thoughts on it? Certainly not meeting expectations. We advocated pretty strongly for it, as did Field and Game, um, for a standalone statutory authority. And what we got delivered was something that was fairly limited. So the Victorian government went to introduce it just at about the time when that Dunn report had come out and done a number on the New South Wales Game Council. And largely as a consequence of that, I believe they took a very conservative approach and made them basically a glorified regulator. So they're a game management authority, but they've actually got no mandate to manage game. Um, so they don't live up to hunters' expectations. And the change to make them do that's incremental. So it's it's a big disappointment. We still support the concept. And there's certainly some good people in there, in the board and in the staff, who are doing what they can with what they've got. But it needs to have a much broader scope if it's ever going to, to be anything other than a glorified regulator. It's interesting you talk about the Dunn report, and a lot of people are probably listening to this show going forward. I'm not even sure if you know that, that Steve Dunn was um, found guilty by the Independent Commission Against Corruption from the Eddie O'Bead scandal. Were you aware of that? Yeah, I, I, I followed that fairly closely, actually. But, um, yeah, it's um, I mean, New South Wales politics is a tangled web. I, someone quipped the other day that, you know, if you haven't been to ICAC, you haven't been involved in New South Wales politics, <laughs> but um, that's probably a bit unfair. But um, the Dunn report, in in my view, and certainly in ADA's view, was a was an absolute stitch-up. Um, it, it's a bit like the Pegasus report into GMA. It, it went looking for trouble and found it everywhere. It was, it was written with an idea of what the ending was going to be, and it worked up towards that ending. There were some problems with the game cancel, but they were certainly well under control by the time that report was released. Um, well, you know, well managed and it was certainly very exaggerated. The Australian Hunting Podcast is the only hunting, shooting and fishing podcast radio show in Australia. With over 40,000 downloads per month, you are sure to find some information that can help you. If you love hunting, shooting, fishing and a little bit of politics, the Australian Hunting Podcast has you covered. To listen... Check us out on iTunes and visit australianhuntingpodcast.com.au. You know, that's a, John Tingle did very well on that public land hunting. Got to give credit where credit's due. Did a fantastic job in being able to get that by the Bob Carr government at the time. Would have loved it to have been in national parks too, but unfortunately it wasn't to be. But, you know, a lot of hunters have been close. able to. It was so close. <laughs> I think John initially told me that it was meant to be in national parks from when I spoke, when I've spoken to him several years ago. And he said, well, let's try it in state forest first. Let's see how it goes. And then we can roll it out further because the Greens were giving him a little bit of flack. But, you know, that's been the sole responsibility that people have been able to get out there, you know, being able to hunt on public land. I mean, and I've utilised a lot of public land. I think it's that's fantastic, you know what I mean, and a good initiative going forward. I want to talk about now we're going to get things a little bit excited. So I guess I give people a bit of a, a pretense towards finishing off the show, but on what we're going to talk about next. Now, I got, I got a call from a friend and he said, did you see this? The, the Victorian government wants to put in some deer hunting accreditation. 
and he gave me a bit of advice and he goes, you maybe should post on it. I go, okay, well, let me, let me, let me see what's out there. Couldn't find anything. Didn't even know you guys were coming out in support of this. I didn't even know that at the time. I put a poll on my Facebook page. Now, today it's had around, if I'm just looking here correctly, it's had around just over 4,000 people actually voting on it. Currently, 92% of people are in disagreement that we should have a deer hunting accreditation. Now, I understand most of these people probably aren't even members uh, of the Australian Deer Association. So I guess, why are you in support of it? Did you discuss it with the members? In what form did you discuss it with the members? And what was the outcome of those discussions with members? Um, While we're in support of it, I suppose the first thing is that it's um, what's happening in Victoria and probably in other states is governments are moving towards a system where there'll be a basic test for game licence holders, similar to the New South Wales R licence test. So what we discussed earlier that, you know, you and I both agree is a fairly reasonable impost for people who want to hunt public land. Um, That's Victorian government's employing someone last week to start developing that test. So we came out and supported accreditation um, and perhaps the choice of words wasn't great. But if you looked into the, the message we put out, it was basically around accreditation being a version, a similar version to that game license test in other states. Um, what we've argued for is that the world's moved on since that was introduced in New South Wales, that it probably should be online and it probably should be free. So a pretty simple hurdle to jump to access public land, but I think that word accreditation has probably scared the horses a fair bit and people thought they're going to have to go off and do a formal hunter education course or some formal training, which isn't what it, not what it's about and not what we were talking about. As far as consulting with the members, uh, no, we didn't. And you know, the board comes up with a dozen or so decisions a month, I suppose, on different things. And that's just not how it works. You can't go back to the members on every single decision or you'd be paralysed, you wouldn't do anything. Uh, the board understood where this was coming from politically, um, that our prospects of stopping it, when you phrase it that this is a test that you have to pass in order to access public land with a high-powered rifle, and that's a social expectation. There's no valid political reason to stop that. So we could have gone to members and, you know, run foul of a scare campaign, have members vote against it. We still believe the right thing for the Australian Deer Association and for hunting long-term is to be shaping that to make sure that it works for hunters, not to be throwing rocks at it when all that would do is get us out of the conversation. I'm not going to play devil's advocate, but obviously the ADAs you know, should be run by the members, run by the members, and the members should have a say. Now, if they were against it, you know, we, we, they weren't even consulted on the matter. And I, and I totally agree that safety is is very, very important. I think that's. I, I don't think people can dispute that safety is important. But I guess my first question is. Do you does the ADA know what this is going to entail in, in its entirety? And I guess if the answer is no, then why would you support it? How can you come out in support if we don't even know what the process is going to be and what the Victorian government is even proposing? Uh, we've had discussions with people high up in GMA and we've had discussions with the relevant minister about what they're looking at doing. Um, and certainly the minister, the perspective from the minister's office is that they want this to be as simple as possible but still have some rigour. They've agreed with us that it should be, if at all possible, it should be online. If that's not possible, then it should be delivered like the New South Wales R licence, so delivered by volunteers who can do it at very low cost or at no cost. 
So you know, there's, there's gun shops will do your R license test for free for you. Um, is it going your, to be free? That's a very a lot of people are talking on my page. What's the the costing surrounding this? And again, it just comes back to if we don't know, are we coming at a bit preemptive in in support of something we don't really know very little about? And if um, we, if you do know it, I'm happy for you to share it with the listeners right now and what this system's going to be. Um, the commitment from the minister's office is that if at all possible, it will be free. That's their objective. Now, whether that's what comes out, it will either be free or very low cost. And it's certainly not, I've seen a number of accusations that this is ADA trying to do this to make money for themselves. Mm. We don't see a single dollar in this for us. Um, and we considered that there'll be a number of people who are opposed to it philosophically, but we keep going back to, we're pushing for more access to public land. And a hurdle we keep hitting is increasingly hitting is this people saying, you've got people with high powered rifles accessing public land they haven't proven that they know the law. They haven't proven that they know basic animal welfare considerations, so where to aim at on the animal they're trying to kill. That's becoming an increasing hurdle to accessing public land. But then again, the current system we've already got, yeah, there's like like anything in life, yeah, people have been shot by hunters. I mean, that's a very, very rare occurrence when it does happen. You know, like in many things in life and many sports, you know, shooting sports and hunting is one of the lowest, you know, death rates, you know, pretty much anywhere of all sports around the world, give or take. I think badminton at one stage had more deaths than, than, than hunting sports. So I guess coming from where we are now, this is where hunters are probably not really seeing the benefit. We're coming from a situation now where if it's, if it, you know, I don't want to use local terms, but if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Yeah, and I get I get that sentiment, but we're dealing with a society who doesn't see us that way. That's in as we went went through earlier. That's increasingly urbanised. That increasingly sees us as a a very liminal activity, and that wants to see a raising of the bar. Now we can either be involved in that raising of the bar, and you know, I've got my personal motivation. I've got a six year old son here with me. Whether he turns out to be a hunter or not, I don't know, but I want him to be able to enjoy that opportunity, have that opportunity. I don't think it's too big a price to pay to do what we're fairly confident will equate to a free online test before you get a game licence. I wanted to, just to get, I guess, a bit of consensus about where we're at, you made a video uh, about this, uh, the ADA being in support of this uh, accreditation, whatever you want to call it, at this stage. Now, on that video on the 24th of June, you were talking very interestingly, I found it very interesting about hound hunting. The hound hunting license was uh, bought in in 2003. You said it had little to no value, and you said currently, what, 2003, that's some 16 years later, that the hound hunting license still has little to no value and is a barrier to the sport. Yet, you're now in support of a deer hunting accreditation. So it kind of seems a little bit hypocritical from my point of view that you don't you support one but not the other. It doesn't make any sense. Can you explain that to the listeners? Yeah, certainly. Um, the hound hunting test has questions that um, people with absolutely no knowledge of hunting could pass. So um, in that regard, it's a low barrier because the, the questions are that simplistic, but there's no value in those questions. The big flaw with the hound hunting test besides the fact that it just discriminates against one particular class of deer hunters and not, and not others, is that you have to, to sit the test with GMA. So you have to get yourself to a GMA location, or if people like us want GMA to come out to an ADA meeting, we have to guarantee them a minimum number of people to come out to make it worth their while. 
So it's you know thirty five or forty dollars to sit the test, and it's very restrictive. If you wanted to come hound hunting with me next week, you probably couldn't. You probably couldn't arrange to get that test done and do it. So that's a barrier to entry. Yeah. If that test were available online, had some good common sense questions that someone who's going to go hunting should know and free, then that wouldn't be a, a it wouldn't be a significant barrier or an unreasonable barrier to you coming hound hunting with me next week. Yeah. At the moment, the way it's structured it is. I mean, reasonable cost is very subjective. So, I mean, I would hoping, be hoping, you know, that the ADA would be saying 100% needs to be online if we're going to go down this path and it should be at no cost to the hunter. I mean, if they want to put in this extra bureaucracy, again, any bureaucracy is a barrier to people getting into the into the sport. Um, I just, yeah. I don't see, you know, and, and as we said, we don't, I mean, you've probably had talks at a higher level, perhaps there's things you're not talking about right now that you probably know on this show, but, you know, my point is we've, we've spoken, no one really knows, and maybe you do behind closed doors, and if you do, I'd like you to share that, no one really knows what's going to be happening here. So we don't know if it's going to be no cost we don't know if it's going to be online and we're in support of it on something we don't know anything about i mean it's kind of stand hunters this is why 92 percent of people on my page over 4200 votes now 92 percent of people are against this that's that's exactly why yeah yeah and i appreciate that and and look we're in support of the principle and we went out to set out very clearly very early the terms under which we think it should happen and we're, and we're very clear in that we believe it should be online and we believe it should be free if at all possible. The reality is it's happening. The government of Victoria has employed someone to develop this test. The whole concept of it has been through Cabinet. It's a decision we're not going to stop, and it's a decision we can't mount a good political argument against. So we have the position where we either try and push hard and shape the expectation that this will be free, that this will be online, and if that's not possible, which I can't see why it wouldn't be possible, that it'd be very cheap and delivered by volunteers so it's available everywhere around the country, or we run the risk of getting imposed on us something that's far more severe. I, I understand that's a, a very real, and I do I do respect that, the fact that it's better, sometimes it's better to be part of the situation, but a lot of hunters are on my page, for example, saying, well, you know, and I've, and I've heard this with previous discussions before, well, you know, well, mate, it's happening and, and that's pretty much it, so we either, you know, we should have a seat at the table, so we support it so we can have a seat at the table. I mean, that sometimes rubs hunters the wrong way too, that, you know, there's, there's, we've, we've given up the fight, we've given up the fight before it's even started, just so we can get a seat at the table, and this is where conversations such as I mean I'm reading them I'm on your page now reading the comments under your video and I've, I've um, you know, people saying they're not going to renew their memberships people saying things like this people saying what's well, only a cash grab this is what people start especially with social media these things get out of hand and people's minds start running wild about well that's our argument is that well it's happening better to have a seat at the table than not I can understand it in theory but this is where hunters get a little bit you know what's the word I'm thinking of upset concerned about the future of their sport going forward when these things are happening yeah and we knew we knew when we formed the position that it wouldn't necessarily be popular um and we knew in receipt of all the facts and careful considerations we took a view that this was the best thing to do in order to shape the best result and that if it was unpopular so be it better the the hard right than the easy wrong um, yeah, there's been commentary on Facebook. Interestingly, we got four emails from members over it. 
So for all those comments on Facebook, and responded to all of them, and three of three of the four were satisfied with the answers we gave it. Some of the people on Facebook who weren't going to renew their membership would be pretty difficult for them not to renew their membership because they've never been members of the Australian Deer Association. That's fair. Listen, I'm not on my page. I'm not saying all people there are members of the Australian Deer Association. No doubt many of those 4,000, probably 99% of them, aren't members of the Deer Association. But, I mean, the ones that are, I mean, should have a say on the matter. And you, you've admitted before that you didn't even give them the opportunity in any shape, way or form to, 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 to shape going forward. It's just we've made basically made a captain's call on the issue. I just don't know if that's the right way to go about a, a you know community hunting run organisation. It's it's the reality, I'm afraid, when you're dealing with you know, 6,500 members spread across the country. Well, so the board probably makes a dozen decisions a month. If you were to go back to the members on every one of those decisions, you'd be paralysed. You wouldn't do anything. And like I said, the other thing is some of those decisions are the hard right. So you're doing something that is right, that you know is not going to be popular. Sometimes it's in the best interests of hunting, but the popular take will be we don't want this. And I fully understand and accept that. But if you were to, say, put it to a poll of members... Somebody who's opposed to it, who's not in receipt of all the facts or who wants to twist the facts, goes and runs a public campaign against it. The organisation ends up doing something that it knows will result in worse results for hunters overall based on populism, and we're not up for that. Looking for outdoor equipment for your next adventure? At Aussie Outdoor Gear, you can find cooking equipment, camo clothing for kids, backpacks, camo accessories and much more. We cater for your hunting, fishing, camping, hiking and other outdoor pursuits with our unique product range. AussieOutdoorGear.com.au Quality gear at affordable prices. Is anyone running a, I mean, I don't think you're talking about mine here, I hope not anyway, but is anyone running a public campaign on, on it's against this? Any organisation running a public campaign uh, against this issue? No, no, we're, we're the only organisation that's come out publicly and spoken about it at all. Um, I would suspect that other organisations are not opposed to it, but they're not going to come out publicly and say anything because have a look at what happens when you come out publicly and say say something. Um, People are are concerned about that. Well, we think it's better to come out and be honest about what your position is. I guess people are just concerned about the overreaching, you know, government. It's just another thing. I mean, even though we've spoken about it here and so we say long-term this may be the right issue, I still just can't see how the current system of what we have now is going to be any different. And I'd like, I guess, without me knowing about what actually this entails, I mean, if you told me it was online, it was free, and it was only about your responsibilities for safety, maybe people might agree with that. If that overextends that and it's now costing money and there's all these questions that really aren't related to deer hunting and it's, it's this overzealous bureaucracy, I can understand why people are absolutely going to be opposed to it. That's This is the thing how yep. we don't really know. And, you know, I mean, I mean, do you know actually what it's going to to entail and you're just not saying it here or, or you, you, you've got a good idea? We've got a good idea that it will be basically around safety, um, animal welfare and the law and that it will be the ideal. Everyone who's involved in it wants it to be online. Now, there's a risk for us particularly in that we've come out early and spoken about this in that we get delivered a shit sandwich. And if we do, then ADA pays the price for going out early and trying to shape it. 
the bigger risk is that we're not involved in the conversation. We're not actually out where we are now leading the conversation about how this should look. And we get that shit sandwich. I guess this comes back to, and the reason you're saying it's a shit, especially being online, as you know, online these days, and IT technology is quite an expensive task. Now, give you just to give you a quick example, this goes for most states in Australia that have still got, I guess, Queensland seems to be very interesting again to be able to talk about this, but the fishing licence, we've raised $15 million uh, for fishing here in New South Wales. Only half of that goes back to fishing. Most of it goes to compliance and quite a large chunk of it, even more than compliance, actually goes to the IT system to manage the bureaucracy. So before you even consider money going back into the into fishing and recreational fishing, 50%, about $7.5 million goes back to the bureaucracy before we even think about doing anything for fishing. Hence the reason why a lot of people are not happy with A, fishing licences, or B, accreditation going forward. I mean, I'm going to make a call now. I could be wrong. You can tell me in the future. But, I mean, to assume that it's going to be free, I think we're barking up the wrong tree. It is never going to be free. Oh, look, I, I disagree. Um, I'm fairly confident that it will be free, but Tom will tell, I suppose. One of us will be right and one of us will be wrong. <laughs> if it's online, I think it won't be free. That's my – I guess if they do it, but then if you're going to get organisations to do it, you're going to have – I mean, unless they're doing willing to do it out of the goodness of their hearts or gun shops like some here doing New South Wales with our current system – um, you know, I guess it just comes back to whether what benefit we're going to see. I mean, same as what the hound hunting dealing with as per your video. But anyway, I guess we can see what happens for the future and, um, you know, play it out by year and see what comes out of it, see what it's actually going to be and uh, if there's actually any, going to be any perceived benefits. But um, it seems at this stage the general, and I'm not going to speak on behalf of all hunters, this is only social media and it's only 4,000 people, but, I mean, 92% is pretty, pretty, pretty resounding. But moving forward, what do you uh, I want to say to the listeners? How can they join up the membership? How can they get involved? What can they expect when they join the uh, Australian Deer Association? Um, well, the easiest way to join is online. And, and just circling back to that um, if I can just for a second about sure. that test, even though we're pushing for it to be online, something we've said to the minister's office is that it can't be only online because there's people who, for whatever reason, can't access that. There's people who hunt who have literacy problems or language difficulties who have the knowledge, who have the understanding and should be able to go out and access public land, but for whatever reason, they can't access it online. So there, there needs to be multiple channels for people. But... Um, Back to joining ADA, if you want to join us, the simplest way to do that is through our website. We've got a, a brand new website up that's got pretty good content. Um, in the next fortnight, there'll be a new member management system on that, which will make it really easy to join, renew online, um, and different membership options. So we're going to introduce stuff like a monthly membership, um, so you can pay your membership monthly by direct debit, um, all sorts of different options for being a member, trying to make it as easy as we can. Yeah. I want to just, uh, and I'm sorry to go back again, but you brought up a good one there too. I just wanted to address that quickly about, you know, you were saying about the you know, language barriers and those types of things. So this is the problem when you do have, as you probably know, you've been in the public service. So if I, you know, you have, you have bureaucracy, then it's, you know, people might be, have the knowledge, they're illiterate. So then we've got to come up with an option for them. Then we've got to come yeah. up with an option for people that don't speak English. We've got to come up with an option for them. Uh, there's all these other options, which again, 
is eventually going to cost the hunter at the end of the day. This is the point of not increasing the bureaucracy. My thing is to reduce the bureaucracy um, to people to be able to get out hunting, shooting and fishing with minimal but, but being able to do it on the safest measure. So this is, this is where we start to get into the bureaucracy of the whole thing of this person can't do this, this person can't do that, we need to have this option, we need to have... Um, disabled access for an example all these other options and then the bureaucracy just blows way out of control hence the reason you know banning it all together most likely you know you know well yeah and, and look that's always that's always the risk yeah. um i mean well, seven and a half million dollars in new south wales for you know just the bureaucracy and the it system this is their own figures i've looked on their website they're very clear about their figures seven and a half million of the 15 million 49 percent goes back to the bureaucracy so we don't even so seven and a half million is just burned before any money goes back into fishing and, and people, you know, and a lot of the fishing magazines now and the, a lot of the big wigs, a lot of the big uh, fishing personalities are now coming out actually starting to say, yeah, this really wasn't what we thought it was going to be. We're not really seeing the benefits, but you know what? It's too late now. It's been in for 20 years. And oh, this is my concern for the future going forward to the increased bureaucracy. Once you have one bureaucracy, it happened to the hound hunters. Now it's happening to the deer hunters. What happens, Barry, if it comes up to goat hunters? What's next? An accreditation for rabbits, hares, why don't we just have one for every one of every animal that exists? I mean, where do we draw the line? Yeah, I, and look, I agree. With I that think it's sentiment. a fair call. And, and you know, perfect world, there'd be a component that you do when you sit your shooter's license test that covers all of that. You know, I mean, if people are going to have one, I would say it's just one safety. Doesn't matter about the animal. I mean, as you probably, I think you'd agree with me here. Correct me if I'm wrong. That you'd concede that animal welfare is the same for any animal, regardless of whether it's a goat, deer, hare, rabbits. Um, as you said initially, it's a, it's a mouse on the ground. I mean, there should be the same humane practices for all animals. We don't need one for deer. We just need why don't they just have one for safety? This is your obligations for a humane kill. This is a safety measure. It's online and it's free. Then people probably wouldn't have a major issue with it, you know. But even when they, even if they do that, there is always a chance for increased bureaucracy on top of that. They think, well, we've got this one through, so then we'll just hit them again with something else. And look, essentially with game licensing, that's how we'd like it to look, which is understanding your animal welfare, can, demonstrating that you understand your animal welfare considerations, demonstrating that you understand your legal obligations. That's fair enough. I mean, I don't want to flog a dead horse. I just, I just want yeah. to get as much information to people as they possibly can to say, well, this is the reason why we're going down this route. And, you know, I just don't want to see it like the poor hound hunters where they've got no options and very little options to go to do the test. And as you've admitted in the, in the video on the 24th, it really hasn't done anything to help out the hound hunters. It's just been a barrier for – and I know a lot of the guys, Barry, and you probably know them too. You even said that about your friend going duck hunting. Well, I better get duck hunting before it gets banned. I get people talking to me, and I've, I've admitted this before, and thankfully I don't know this person anymore, but he was talking to me about getting his um, firearms license, and he goes, oh, what's in tail? And I said, oh, this, 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 and this, join this club, genuine reasons. And he goes, wow. I guess, nah, I'll just go get one illegally, mate. It's not worth my time. Why would I go through all that process? And I go, wow, that's the attitude of people that too much red tape and bureaucracy is from permitting them to, to getting into the sport and are willing to do something stupid and illegal because of the, the bureaucracy and the framework currently in place. Yeah, appreciate that. And so that's the balance we try and strike. Um, back on that licensing thing, we licensing is coming. We've got no valid political argument against some sort of testing for licensing. Yep. We're in a position where we either be honest with people tell them that not we could go and pretend to fight it and shake our fists and people would probably say how great are the ADA what good guys they are it'd be a fairly disingenuous thing to do 
So we either take that option or we try and shape it and, and get the best results for hunters. Well, I'm sure you guys will be coming out sometime. Uh, what's the? Do you know any projected time frame this would be rolled out, or when you're going to be able to give more people information about this particular issue in in full? Um, well, it's, it's been developed as we've just discussed. You and I both worked in the public service, and it's being developed in the public service. Yeah. So, um, I'd give it twelve months at least. Okay, so it's going to be a while then. So it's going to be a while for people to you know, get their head around what the situation's going to be. I mean, I, you know, if it's going to be very, very minimal, you know, like I said, and, and online and at no cost, but, you know, I know the government, nothing's ever at no cost. You know, you see what's happening in WA with firearms. I mean, it's almost, it's a huge barrier to people getting into firearms in WA. And, you know, I'm all about less bureaucracy, not more. That's, that's what my train of thought is, provided we're doing it safely. You know, deer hunting in Victoria, which you can probably agree, has a, a great reputation of being a safe sport. Yeah, sure. On the odd occasion, some people have been shot. That's just the reality of the situation. But that happens in all forms of thing, and those are tragic events when they do happen. You're statistically more likely to die from falling out of bed than you are to die from being shot by a hunter. Exactly. So it's a that's and again, it's yeah. I'm not anyway, no point harping on it, flogging a dead horse because let's just wait and actually see what comes out. Let's see what the situation's going to be. I'm hoping it's going to be what we just discussed, but you know, I know as you know with government and bureaucracy um, you know, it, it just leaves things open for, you know, more things in there that need to be in there, not going to be free and going to be arduous and a barrier to people getting into deer hunting. But, you know, I'm happy to be proven wrong on this. I'm actually hoping I'm going to be wrong on this. Oh, so am I. <laughs> I'm hoping. We'll see what happens. All right, mate, to finish off, what's the website for the ADA? And um, is there a rough cost to memberships to get involved? What's the situation there? Uh, uh, memberships about $95 a year or when we get this new platform up you'll be able to do sort of $8 a month um, so that'll come straight out of your credit card and like I said that involves all your insurances um, six issues of the magazine delivered to your door and access to particularly if you're a new hunter access to that network of hunters you know you can start to meet other deer hunters and people to go hunting with and it's good you actually said i like that you know you want people to be members because they want to be members you know a lot of organizations are around because you know people are forced to be members and you know are living off the back of the nfa and that's how they make majority of their money whereas you know it should be the fact is you know people want to join the ada or organizations around the country because they think they're doing a good job and they're they're a valuable resource to be a part of yeah, and look, we've got AHO status for firearms in um, New South Wales, and it's a pain, and it's it's an administrative pain for the association. We'd probably be better off not having it. Um, there was an issue in Victoria eighteen months ago or so when the licensing division came out saying that they they were going to start wanting organisations like ours to report back to them on memberships. So, you know, we, we want to report from you every year on who your members are so that we can cross-check when they've used you for genuine reason. And we've turned around and basically said, if you're going to do that, then we just won't be a genuine reason because game licence is a genuine reason anyway. So, um, yeah, we're not up for that game. We'd rather people be members because they want to be. All right. Well, yeah, great talking with you. Great to... Uh... You know, talk about this deer hunting accreditation. So let's find out what happens for the future. Barry Howlett joins us from the Australian Deer Association to talk about all things deer hunting, the ADA and the new deer hunting accreditation. Barry, thanks for uh, joining us. Um, hopefully we can readdress this in, 
you know, the, the bureaucracy in 12 months and see where how further along we are. But thanks a lot for coming onto the show and um, actually being the first person to have the guts and the balls to actually come on the show after we've both questioned each other to have a bit of a chat about it. So don't, I don't think we, uh, you know, disagree on a, on a hell of a lot, maybe some philosophical differences possibly, but, you know, I guess we can discuss that later down the track once we know more about this uh, deer hunting accreditation. So thanks for coming on. I do appreciate it. And I thanks for the opportunity, Jason. You've been listening to an episode of the Australian Hunting Podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. See you next time.